It wasn't that hard to find you, Toretto. Wasn't hiding. How's the life of the retired international criminal? I like it here. It's quiet. Nice weather. And no extradition. So what are you doing here, cop? Last Tuesday, a team of highly coordinated drivers took down an entire military convoy in Russia. I don't do cold weather. I know it wasn't you. But you're gonna help me catch the team responsible. And you ain't gonna need that. To episode 180 of Do You Expect Us to Talk? I'm your host, Becca, and as always, joined by Chris and Dave. How are you both? In one. <laughs> uh, good evening, folks. You've just, for those in various parts of the world, because we have listeners from everywhere, you've missed both a dart and a bullseye reference. <laughs> I didn't even watch them. <laughs> well, darts is. Obviously, well, well, a pub I don't know darts, obviously, but yeah, I think I've seen Bullseye. But but I haven't Bullseye, that was, that was Bully's prize board. Chris was <laughs> yeah. But who's going to win Bully's special prize? That's why I want to yeah. You don't get anything in this game for two in a bed. Nope. <laughs> what sort but of there are three of us, so that's fine. Day? Sorry? They'd always have like rubbish prizes, wouldn't they? What sort of rubbish prizes would you win? It would be like a very cheap microwave or something. <laughs> Uh, it's very yeah. glamorous looking uh, table furniture or, or like a garden furniture or something you look at it and you just look absolutely it's fucking plastic. awful it's just plastic yeah, yeah. yeah. but but you, but you're not sure because you know this by man this was like the 80s it could have actually been quite expensive and fancy back then <laughs> so you, yeah. you kind of like no it looks very cheap and plastic you know you know where they were pushing the envelope when the, when there was like a cordless portable television Ooh. or you know handheld one or was it, it black and white? Yeah. But it, it, I think it, we had one of those. It's funny because you watch old game shows now and then like the things like camcorders, it seem like a really good prize. People get really excited for it. But in the, in the age of iPhones where, you know, the camcorders we've all, kind of... We've all, we've all got a video camera on. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, they're all kind of irrelevant. It's like, yeah, if someone gave me a camcorder like now, I'd be like, thanks, I'll never use it because... <laughs> Because <laughs> well, I've I mean, got one take, and I can fit it in my pocket. That attitude, Chris. All the all of the prizes are out of date. It's not like when you watch Bullseye and the prize is like a holiday at the end. You go, well, that's no good to me. It was nineteen eighty six. Well, now we can't go. Yugoslavia anyway. doesn't even exist. The twat yeah, it doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> yeah, but more often than not, it was a speedboat. Uh, or some kind of like a Ford Cortina or some yeah. sort of car. Yeah, like they're, they're the random cars. They're thinking like you know there are two mates who used to go to the pub together. You thinking like, how do they share that? Like, <laughs> it's it's more the fact that they live in like Coventry and they've won a speedboat. <laughs> the two don't go together. I know. I mean, you could travel, I suppose, but I mean, I mean, you just sell it, wouldn't you? You sell it. Exactly. Sell it for millions. Yeah, get Jim Bowen to like autograph it. I'll push it up a little bit. Whereas if you win the holiday, you can't get him to autograph Spain and flog that, can you? No, you can invite him along. Come on, Jim. On you go. 
So anyway, anyway, one hundred and eighty. I did closer to episode two hundred, but I think one hundred and eighty is quite a milestone. I have no opinion on that. <laughs> I, tried, I tried really hard, but no, I don't have an opinion. We'll wait. We'll wait till we get to episode two hundred, and then we'll we'll have a, a I don't know, a party. Yes. Well, <laughs> of some kind. Well, we're five years old this year as well. So no. We got, you know we are. I know. You were there. I was here. When we started. I was here at inception. Yeah. So yeah, we're five at the end of August. Yes. Uh, we'll do some kind of anniversary thing. I don't know, either five years or t- episode two hundred or episode two fifty or something. We'll have a discussion behind the scenes and figure out what we're going to do, and then let you other people know. Yeah. Because we don't know. <laughs> we, we don't know at all. You might put it out to the listeners and say, "Look, what should we do?" So anyway, I hope you're all enjoying this as much as we are. Uh, <laughs> what are we doing tonight, Becca? Right, moving along. We are now on Fast and Furious Six. AKA Fast Six. I've got a lot of information. Please stay attention. Keep Starring. <gasps> now I'm not going to go through the entire cast list. Obviously, Paul Walker, Vin Diesel, Dwayne Johnson, Gal Gadot, Torres Gibson, Michelle Rodriguez, John Brewster, Ludacris, Sun Kang, Luke Evans, and Tyrell Lindhart from the last series of Danish, Swedish, Nordic noir series, The Bridge, and also cameos from Rita Ora and that? the State Jason Satan. Which one's the one from? Uh... It, it, it was she like the female baddie. What was she called? The actress? Oh no, it was a guy. Is it? Which one? Oh, Say sorry. the name again. Oh, Tira Lindhart. Uh, I can't pronounce his first name. Right. Um... I'm trying to look for who he is, because I thought, I don't even remember him in the fucking film. Oh, no. Oh, as I watched, only because I watched that, The Bridge, and he was, was in it in one, our series. He was the one at the car uh, sh- yeah, uh, who the the garage two, that the two women go to. Yeah, like, they chat uh, up. Chat up. And I was like, I know that face. Yeah. When I thought I thought you meant the uh, the blonde woman in it from the bad guys. Too. Oh, I missed her out. Sorry. Yeah. I just realised I, I missed her out. Apologies. And I can never remember her name in the show, so I I've gone with Urban Galadriel. <laughs> yeah, she is a bit like that, isn't she? Female Brian Walker, as Roman put it. Oh, That's the one. Yeah, sorry, I missed her that out. That was quite a romantic scene, actually. I I do like how they each have their opposite, or well, the corresponding. Gang members, and that sounds really bad, but they have the corresponding numbers. It's like, don't that, they? It's like that shot in Shaun of the Dead, isn't it? Yeah, it is pretty much. But there you go. It's um, the same. So, yeah, that's the anyway, What about the rest of it? Today, obviously. <laughs> yeah, original music by Lucas Vidal, script by Chris Morgan, directed by Justin Lin, and released in 2013. Uh, this Lucas Vidal, I've noticed it's not Brian Tyler this week, and it will be no. Brian Tyler again next week. And for me, this score is a step down. He had, a, he had a week off. Doesn't stand out at all. Um, and I went and looked what else this guy had um, produced. And whilst everything out there has got its fans, he hasn't done a lot that's very high profile. Certainly in my sort of view in history or anything. And yeah, the score's not bad. It's just not good either. It doesn't stand out. We've had better scores for the last couple of weeks. Um, I think the writers are the same. This is the fourth consecutive en- entry for Justin Lin. It'll be his last until... Well, next year now, we, we assume, with Fast 9, which has already been filmed. Mm. Um, it was due to come out now, wasn't it? Or It was due out uh, end of May, so yeah, within the last week or so, probably. Uh, what day are we on? When t- I, 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 I don't know what the date in May was. I have a feeling it might have been due out last Friday. 
so yeah, we've missed that. It's it's in the can. They're all good. It's just going to be this strange era in Hollywood, where you'll have films that were half shot before and after, half shot after. So you'll have actors looking very slightly different from scene to scene because they didn't manage to match their weights exactly and things like that. And then you'll have people promoting films that like. I mean, da- Daniel Craig puts weight on between Bond films. So he'll be, he will be like... Yeah, he kind of up and looks different. He's going to look rather different promoting it. But, um, yeah, no, it, it's in the can Fast 9, and all it means is there'll be a delay of Fast 10 because they haven't shot that yet. There was going to be... They weren't going to be shot quite back-to-back, but there was going to be, like, a fairly short gap and then straight into filming. Um, so we should still get two consecutive years for the last two films. And I think they're both going to be just in then. And there's some talk of Dwayne Johnson being in part 10. He's not in part nine. But I think that's more of a conversation for next week and the week after when we talk around the sort of egos around uh, part eight and, and why uh, The Rock's not in it. Is that uh, because there was talk of him being in this one, you think, maybe, and then like it, it kind of evolved into another film and you think maybe you could bring it back in the next one, I think, or think it's just all rumours at this point? Oh, I think it's all rumours at this point. I think I, th- I think it's rumours, but I, I think there's been sort of little signs of a rapprochement. I don't ha- know how much of it is all a strategy and we're sort of being played, uh, but I do get the impression there was some kind of falling out at the top, and then there were articles that came out over their sort of egos. And I'll read a little bit into it before we do next week's recording, but... Uh, I do. I have read these things before, and and the, certainly there there was talk about Vin Diesel's attitude and timekeeping and things like that. Um, and we know that the fights are now being very deliberately choreographed, so there's no losers and things like that. But we'll come to all that. We're still in the sweet spot on this, this at this point, though. Um, for me, this is the first one I ever saw which anyone who's listened to the first four five shows in this series will know uh, I got dragged would be an exaggeration, but I got asked to go and watch this film with someone who we do tend to do this. Me and a friend of mine, it's like, I want to watch it. Yeah. All right. Then when we just go and we don't really question each other's choices, he wanted to see fast six. Uh, he was winding me up about it because he knew it wasn't kind of my cup of tea or I didn't pres- presume it was going to be went in to see it really really enjoyed it for for all its limitations and and some of the limitations were quite noticeable after last week uh this is a step down in some ways but i had a really really good time with it saw it a couple of times got the box sets all the rest that we've just covered so this is this is sort of my jumping on part for the series um what about you guys i think Um, i might have seen this at the cinema (laughs) i don't have a particular memory unfortunately I can't really say much there, I'm afraid. Chris, you go. But you don't remember seeing it at the cinema? I think I saw it last week's, and then I, I remember, like, obviously there's the, the scene, um, obviously where there's a reveal quite near the end, um, which we'll talk about, and obviously there's a bit in the trailer where he's going, they got a tank. And I remember that bit, that bit stands out like a sore thumb. Um, but I, I I might have seen this at the cinema, and then I haven't seen it since. Um, it's just, it's kind of really sort of, the sort of middle middle films that, that's all for me, definitely. They heavily promoted this in that I was I was seeing the trailer really for did. quite a long time. I think I probably watch, had a bit of um, Fast watching, and Furious fatigue. What, watching the film today, there are a few shots and lines of dialogue that I remember that stood out because they were in the trailer. 
uh, where he says where he finds Dom at the start of the film and he says I wasn't hiding that was in the trailer yeah uh, that's the deal take it or leave it that's in the trailer um, I think it's time as money lines and might be in the trailer as well perhaps could be yeah um, the, this is um, I guess the difference is for last week location but also color palette you don't see much daylight till about 90 minutes into the film uh, most of this film is set at night most of it not all of it so yeah, it's a bit it, different this time around. It feels a little different from from last week's film. Uh, that way, aside from the, I, I would certainly say it's even more down the path of um, them slipping into their sort of trademarked series roles in that, like Ludacris and Tyrese are with each other most of the time, excepting one major scene, and they really play up the comedic value and the running jokes. Um, I think the, the the dialogue's not as good this week. It, the dialogue is weaker. There's an awful lot more. You know, in like when you look at something like Die Another Day, every line of like Gustav's dialogue, it's it's only by being on the edge we know who we really are and things like that. This film's got a lot of people talking to each other in those sort of weird platitudes. Yeah, this kind of is a very lot like lot, lot family focused. There's the, yeah. the family thing is just starting to become like all oh, right, it's really starting here. It's still not as much as in future year, uh, weeks, but um, the comedy's a little goofier. The, the dialogue's not quite as good. It's funnier, um, but it's still in the sweet spot. I still I still had a, a pretty good time with it. It's um, the action's still very very good. It's soapy. I mean, we're going to get to it with our next series. I mean, we haven't confirmed definitely, but I think we're doing Spider-Man next. And the weakest of the original trilogy has like an amnesia storyline in it. And so does this. And that is like something out of a bad soap opera. You'd almost expect her to come back having had plastic surgery played by a different actress or something. (laughs) Played by somebody else. (laughs) Um, The runway at the end we'll get to, that's really silly. There are other things in the plot, like the whole Elena thing. Um, uh, and so, just, so you're telling again, me in Fast Nine that we know we're gonna like explain the old the old hand thing by like you know finding him in the shower and then just like oh I just had the most terrible dream. Uh, or, yeah. or, or, or they'll re- lazily redo the same thing that it's like it's been a plot all along, or he's had amnesia, or he, you know he was. Uh, Want a wanted man and couldn't risk the rest of his crew, or I don't know. They'll come up with something. I we'll talk about it a little bit when we get to uh, Hobbs and Shaw because I think Hobbs and Shaw left a whole plot point completely unexplained. And I remember saying to Chris, "I wonder if that's Han." But we'll come to that in a couple of weeks' time. It probably isn't, but it was just at the time. I leave that unexplained, and it could be that because everything's tying into everything now. We have another we have another funny point about like career development, which we'll get to with uh, with the Elena character. Uh, we've also got um, what the hell is the jurisdiction of the FBI? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what's going on there? A, a, a federal Bureau. I mean, they, there's a bit of overlap with Homeland Security, but basically they're there to protect. Uh, they, they operate domestically. That's the whole point. Yeah, hold on uh, a minute. So why they've suddenly picked up like Interpol <laughs> type? Oh yeah, I don't know. I think it's just an excuse. I don't know. Um, the whole re- the whole reasoning behind getting his crew involved is just funny. Uh, the the respect amongst sort of thieves, if you like, 
the moment Dom's crew's disrespected, Luke, you know, tells them to show a bit more respect. Mm. Um, yeah, honor among thieves. There's lots to laugh at about this film. It's one of those films that at the time I sort of liked despite itself. Um, but having bought into the series and what it is now, revisiting it today was, was a lot of fun, but it's not as good as last week's film. Um, it, it may be as enjoyable, um, but there's a little bit more patent, fat and padding on it, or patent fadding, one of the two. <laughs> uh, there's a little bit more padding on it. There's one scene in particular I remember thinking, the film's losing its way now because this is going on too long. And they're, they're, they are having to make a lot of narrative leaps. And I'm not talking, like, every week has had its problems with physics. I mean, there's a scene with Dom and Letty towards the end of the film where, frankly, her inside should be liquefied and his back broken. But I'm all right with that. That's just the leap you make with this series. But there are narrative things in the series, in this film, where I thought, why did they go down that path? Because that actually leads nowhere or there's no point. Um but overall, I'm being positive. I'm just now sure, having seen Five so recently, that Fast Five is a better film than this. What about you guys? Um, yes. All right. Uh, well, I, I, I mean, I first remember this. I mean, this was pushed, like, really heavily because it was like, um, yeah, that. It was in front of. It seemed to be in front of every film. Well, not only that, it wasn't just the trailer. You had like pretty much like you know the whole tank uh, chase chase scene. But you know, pretty much as a whole, shown before Iron Man three or and, and other such. Oh, I didn't films. know that. I wouldn't yeah. see Iron Man three, but I don't remember that. Unless you saw it in IMAX or something. No, no, it was actually on regular. Oh, it was on Cineworld, so I don't know if it was about other. It could. It could have been chain dependent, I suppose. Uh, but yeah, it, it was like attached to that, and you literally saw pretty much up to the point where you, you see both Vin Diesel and uh, and. Uh, What's what's the name? Letty. Le- yeah, uh, Letty. Both, both. Yeah, Michelle. You, but flying, uh, flying in the air, just as about to like, you know, just about. And how are they going to get out of this one? <laughs> you know, yeah, it's like, well, there's only one way this is ending. He's going to grasp her out of the air. Yeah, but like, but it, it, it the, the way where you where you saw it, it just looked absolutely ridiculous. And he didn't quit doing that now because yeah. if you think about it, that would have been. Sorry, what film were you saying it was in front of Iron Man? It was definitely in front of Iron Man 3. I'm not sure if it was in front of like other films, but it was well, definitely Iron Man, Iron Man 3. Well, Iron Man 3 was spring of 2013, so maybe a month or so before this was released. But the previous year, you'd had The Dark Knight Rises shown in front of something, and I think it was might have been... I don't know what that was, but Ghost Protocol had something mm. in front of it. It was a thing for a while, wasn't it? Let's yeah. see the first seven minutes. Or something like that. They seem to have quit doing that now. They being cinema chains and studios gen- mm. generally. Yeah, because it, it, it kind of ruins it, really. It might make a comeback now. Mm. Uh, the film industry is in such difficulty. They're going to have to work very hard at promoting things and try and do G-up enthusiasm. Because, I mean, I was reading today, AMC are likely to go into administration. That's America's biggest chain. So and they um, own um, Odin as well, don't they? They do own Odin, yeah. Yeah, I'm a bit concerned. Uh, well, they go into administration. Someone else buys it, calls it something else. It's not. I. It's we might lose some cinemas, but I think no. the majority will survive. It's more about current ownership and the uncertainty for the people that work there. And also, if it does go into administration, will 
yeah, will they get TP Dave or will, will they kind of get will, they, but... will you find where you where there's an area where you've got a choice? Might one of the cinemas close because they say we're not risking going up against a view when it's just no. the road or whatever? And you've got other independent cinemas as well. Some of it may be timing as well. If, uh, if they go into administration this summer, might somebody say, well, I'd be interested in buying a cinema chain, but I don't know if I want it now. It's something, no, exactly. it's something I'd buy next year when it's recovering. So sure. Well, let's talk have, about trying to, you know, some of the chains reopening a, a date in July. But how are they going to do it? Maybe in checkable pattern, removing some seats with screens in between? I don't know. That's the point. I mean, if you get that, we, we know, we all know people who will go back, but we'll be doing it in November, hopefully. <laughs> but it's got to be a high percentage of what was already going. Otherwise, the business will fail. I mean, you look at, I mean, I always remember reading, I, I think this was more about when football clubs were failing, you know, and stuff like that, that there is a, a wisdom in business that says your um, salary bill should not exceed 70% of turnover. No. Well, if your staff bill is 70% of turnover and your revenue drops to 50% of turnover, you're going to fail, aren't you? It's, it's, that, it's as simple as that. So what they might do is slow the decline. But I can see why they're desperate to open, but I can't see. I mean, the local view down here made a reasonably big loss last year. And that was before all this. So I, no, I think exactly. they're, I think they're in trouble. Whatever happens, but a lot of businesses go into administration and get bought out and rebranded or whatever, or venture capitalists buy buy them and try and do something with it for a few years. So I don't I mean, know. That's probably what's going to happen. So I'm just trying to think of you know, like for example, the Odeon near us in um, in Salisbury. I mean, it's a, I think it's like, it's a really really old building to start with. It's either like it's grade one and grade two listed. Um, lots of lots of history um, locally as well. And it's just one of those things where you kind of think, oh, you know, obviously for the skeleton staff that they were already operating on to maintain a really old building like that. Um, I think that, you know, there are going to be losses. Um, and then I think the next one is really sort of like a picture house um, chain. Um, and then uh, Sydney World, I think, you know, the next nearest ones, I think is like town, uh, cities like Southampton and um, Bournemouth and Basingstoke nearby and i just think it is I, I, I you know my concern is for the staff really at the end of the day so yeah absolutely because uh, there's a lot of uncertainty coming up and yeah furlough's going to end at some point and yeah we'll just have to see i suppose but yeah there was a spell in the early uh, early 2000s not that long after the financial crisis funnily enough talking of difficult times mm where they, they seem to use this as a tool. And you, so you were saying that you'd seen the tank chase before you saw the film pretty much then, Chris. Yeah, and given that the trailer kind of like sort of, sort of spoiled the whole film anyway, you kind of felt like you saw a large majority of the film before you even saw it. Um, though, you know, I was quite surprised when I did watch it how much I, despite all that, I I really did enjoy my time with it. Um, which kind of, I, which in a way kind of just, just sort of, well... It just speaks to the, how uh, the film has done something right. I mean, for for it to have, um, you know, it, it you know, despite the fact that we only seen you know this crew come together in one movie, there's there's a sense of like they've been together for like a lot longer than that. And... Definitely, yeah, definitely. Uh, they they they've slipped into their comfort comfortable roles now. 
uh, and you see elements of this in you know future week. It's a bit like Letty has a fight with like an MMA fighter, which well, she's going to do the same next week. Uh, you know this whole Tej and, and Tej and uh, Roman as a sort of double act that really really hit towards the end of the last film, and it's it's developed even further here. Yeah, they're they're all kind of in their stereotypical roles now. Uh, the only thing, uh, and I, there's no, there's nothing to say that wouldn't have carried on for a few more films had it been for. Obviously, this is the last uh, proper appearance, if you like, of Paul Walker. Paul Walker's uh, character makes a full appearance in next week's film, but obviously, when we talk about that film, uh, a lot of it was filmed around his absence because he died during the filming of it. Um. So, yeah, this was released in something like May 2013, and Paul Walker died six months later. Because Fast 7 was supposed to follow this quite quickly. It was meant yeah. to come out the following year. So it got delayed. So they were filming this. There was a break for something, and he was driving in... Was it LA he died in? I think so, yeah. I think so, yeah. He was driving down a... Or he was being driven down a the street there, and they were, they were doing yeah. a, a very, very fast speed. and Lost the car. But um, yeah, there you go. It's very sad. Yeah. Did you? So you enjoyed it, basically? Yeah, I've, I watched it um, at, least, at least a couple of times. I don't know. Because um, it's just you know, it, it just it, it just sort of ticked all the all the boxes for me. Um, you know, it was ridiculous, but it was fun. Yeah, I'm going to make a ton of fun of it, but I'm not. I'm not. That's not a knock on it in in its way. Yeah. I, I, I think I think um, you know, I think I've said before. I think there's something really genuine in like the camaraderie of it with the cast. There is a, there, you know, there, you do feel that, and it, you do feel like there's a warmth to it, and the the action's great. Uh, it it really does go for full spectacle. Um, yeah, and, and but, you know, there there is something like I say. There's something a little bit soapy about it, but. There's nothing wrong with liking that stuff. No. You know, it's, it's um, you know, it's some of those ridiculous soaps in the 80s and stuff, you know, real silly plot twists in it and plastic surgery and back from the dead and stuff like that. And millions watched them and enjoyed them and knew they were a bit daft, but genuinely liked them. And that that's the same with this, really. Yeah. Um, there are lines in it where and jokes and, and themes where I think, and I don't mean to patronise, but it's the only way I can put it. There are bits in this film where I think it's playing to a mixed ability group. It, it, it is there for, like, everybody. Um, but, yeah, it, it's solidly really, really enjoyable. But it, it's one of those things that the plot hangs together in that one thing leads to another, that leads to another, that leads to another, and that's all logical. But there are little leaps in it where you just go, that's really silly. Like the runway, like what do the FBI do? Like Elena's career tra- trajectory, mm. like her phantom pregnancy. Um, yeah, we'll come on to that at the end of the film. Well, it's not in this film, but spoiler alert for anyone watching along with us. I don't think it's giving too much away. I'll try not to ruin too much of it, but Elena has a kid at some point during this series. And I don't know when, because I started watching Seven earlier because I've got this thing about watching the very start of the next film just to see how they're linking together. And there's definitely a time jump because Brian O'Connor's kid is a toddler in that. 
and I don't think she's had the kid by then. And then there's nothing to the next film, and suddenly there's a child. So, yeah, there's lots of things you, you have to try not to think about. But from scene to scene, it's absolutely fine, and it, it, it's amusing. There's lots of silly, runny jokes in it. It's homoerotic as fuck. Um, it's really funny, and it's the action's good. This is this is still really, really strong this week. Yeah, we start to sort of see, like, the... Uh, well, I suppose it gets a bit more expendably with the cast next next week but we start having like we, we we're basically teased jason staven at the end after which, which well, kind of... yeah i mean next week you've got effectively two shaw brothers you've got um what's he called uh you've got a new character i think it's next week the female character whose name escapes me joins yeah who... the, the, the hacker that no one really cares about same same skill set as Tej, but there you go. Yeah. Um, but that's what happens when you don't. Well, you can't plan a series. There's no way you could have planned like eight or nine entries from 2001, and and someone's going to die in the sixth and stuff. Yeah, I mean, the, it's not really a criticism, but it's a bit like Mission Impossible. Benji has the same skill set as Luther. Um, if you if you planned six films from the very start, you wouldn't plan that. But sometimes these things happen organically, that you have someone there who isn't in the next film and someone replaces him and a bit later on you're like, right, let's have them both, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it does get soapier, the cast get bigger. The thought I had as well watching this is Helen Mirren's a fan of this series. Yeah. And what made me smile watching this was Helen Mirren is sat in the cinema watching this and she doesn't know she's his mum. <laughs> incredible it's a, it's a plot twist it's the funny thing about a series developing along these lines she sat watching this character and it's like helen that's your your son you know <laughs> so did you know you're related yeah they <laughs> they, they, they didn't even know at this point no so yeah we'll get well, helen mirren down the line mentioning you know mentioning her as well i think some of these scenes especially around london did they film it for um is either red or red too other of those films, some when she stares, she, you know she's in. Yeah, um, Red Two films. Red right. Two, that was it. I knew it was one of, one of the Red films. <laughs> yeah, the first so, Red yeah. a few years before this. So yeah, slight like Helen collection there. Mm. Yeah, but she she was interviewed about stuff she hadn't done that would like to have got involved with, and she said, you know, I think they said something to her like, "Is there a series of films you'd ever be interested in?" I, I suppose the prompt around this period would have been, "Might she have said Marvel or something?" And she yeah, said, "I'd well, love to be in a fan." Yeah, she, she said, "I'd, I'd want to drive in it though." Well, which obviously she doesn't, but um, yeah, we'll come to it in a future week. I, I did watch the start of Seven tonight, and it's got a really strong start. That film, it does have a very, very strong sort of opening few scenes. But we'll come to that next week. So what did you make of this, Becca? Um, yeah, I think I probably had a bit of Fast and Furious fatigue uh, upon release. As I think my only abiding memory was the they got a tank um, line. Um, but no, just watching it this evening. Um, not my favourite, but no, still had lots of fun with it, though. Um, it kind of did, it, it wasn't, it didn't kind of whip along, obviously, as as you know, as quickly as as um as last week, for example. Is that what um, it is? Pacing. I just when kind of thought it, you don't like it as much. Is it pacing? Yeah, it's just in terms. Yeah, in terms of the pacing, it just it could, it could be a bit whippier. It could have moved along a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I would agree with you, David, that the dialogue was a little bit weaker. Um, but for me, I think the action is still as strong, if not stronger. Um, 
what's his name? There's Sorry. another. There's another little subtle Italian job rest reference in the action, isn't there? Did you notice it's, it on oh, the yeah, highway? That's, yeah, it's good spotted. That's well spotted, definitely. Formation red, white, and blue cars. That's so that. Yeah, I was trying to think of what's that film. Oh yeah, Italian job. Definitely. There's, again, there's lots of other callbacks to sort of to classic mm. car chases. Yeah. Um, so as we've had before, like Bullet, Stephen Queen, things like that, for example. Um, yeah, and this week definitely we get um, Italian job sort of references. Um, and there was oh, yeah. sort of like yeah. also um, some you know seventies classic car chases. Um, Do you have a scene where I thought this isn't? I don't mean to talk over you, but now we're no, on the su- one we're on the subject of pacing. I'm interested where where that first hit you because I can tell you the exact scene where I thought, right, right this is dragging. It's when he first. Um, it's when he has his first face to face with Shaw. Yeah, I kind of thought, but for me, it kind of hit around perhaps like the hour just after an hour mark. I don't know. I know that was a bit strange, mm. um, but I think it was just due to the fact that how I've been feeling today generally. Um, mm. But I would say around that kind of around that sort of mark as well. Um, but I mean, that was that's kind of like my main my main problem. But really, otherwise, um, yeah, the dialogue's probably not as good, but the visuals still good. Um, like for example, the, the tank t- tank chase at the end, um, you know, was going to be heavily CGI, but you know, as, as ever, um, director Justin Lin was kind of like, no, we've got to do this in camera, we've got to do it for real. And then obviously little tweaks made in post production here and there by all the VFX companies. Um, and I kind of I thought, like, know. like some of the effects I kind of thought, like last week, for example, like towards the start of the film, you can kind of tell a little bit of this, but like this time around, obviously, it looks not that it looked bad last time, uh, but this time it could, you know, it looked a lot tighter, especially given the film is a few years, a few years old now. Yeah. Um, but, no, you know, hugely enjoyable. Um, love seeing all the, you know, the cameo roles at the end, even though it's a little bit, obviously, there's a bit of retconning going on as well with regards to, um, to Letty and also um, Stace. I've got written here in big letters. <laughs> I'm sure um, that highway, yeah, that, like. that, that highway they drive on, with with the tank chase, I'm sure it is real because I've, I've I've been to a few different parts of the states and I've not been there, not been that, you know. Actually, no, that was still Spain, wasn't it? Yeah. I was, yeah. I was Sorry, it was Spain. Spain. I've not been wherever that road is. Um, I don't know either, actually. But I was getting a big Matrix Reloaded vibe off it. And I think the Matrix Reloaded, there's a big car chase in that film that's CG as fuck, but we know that. But they built like a quarter of a mile, half a mile. They built something. They built a certain length of mock highway to basically do this car chase on. And I kept getting that vibe off this. I don't know if it's because the amount of traffic was fairly light. I don't know if it's because just by definition, motorways in this country are just way busy, just generally. Um, there was just something like they had locked off a massive section for filming and then not populated it quite enough. So there's something about that sequence that keeps taking me out. The The caveat is I could go there if it is indeed a real road and it might look exactly like this. I don't know what the relative no. traffic is I'm like. I'm not quite sure where, where it is, because it says on, on the IMDb.com, um, it says from location locations, Tenerife, obviously Canary Islands. Um, let's have a look. Where's other English and, and European um, locations? Punta de Silva on Gran Canaria. Um, where else? Okay, Park, obviously Shepparton, Long Cross, as we know, Bovington's um, generally Canary Islands. So, yeah, generally around the Canaries, I think, Tenerife. Yeah. Um, been to Ibiza? <laughs> I've been to Ibiza, Tenerife. I've been to Mallorca, but that's not Canaries. I've, I've, I've been to the like Balearics, for example. But, uh, yeah. 
um, Milka Menorca, but yeah, yeah, I think the closest I've been to Canaries is probably like Ibiza, <laughs> for example. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, then, shall we discuss this film sequentially? Sure. So we kind of start where we left off with a chase. Though it's not really a chase, though. Uh, it's not a ch- Yeah, it looks like it's the race we left at the end of five. And, and it's not. They're, they're, they're just they're having a bit of a break to get there first, but they get into the hospital for the birth of Brian's mm. first kid. Or, or, think, or, or they were on a chase that long, a race that long, that it, uh, it escalated, you know, the pregnancy escalated really quickly. <laughs> I, yeah, well, they did look, in, in, the, in the stylized credits of the last film, it did look like they were sort of driving <laughs> all over the world. They, they might have gone via Paris or something. <laughs> Because uh, she was heavily pregnant, and now she's have. I thought this this was quite funny, because we'll cut back in to before he goes in in a minute. But as he walks in the room, they're like, "You're just in time," and she mm. seems to be in a convent or something. It's all nuns. But he <laughs> runs get in. But from the camera angle, I thought, "Oh, he's missed it. She's holding the baby." Then I realised it was just her left breast. <laughs> so. <laughs> I can't tell the difference between a tit and a baby. <laughs> oh dear. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, they get there first. Brian does win this time. He does get there first. Uh, it's quite a nice little... Sh- there's some nice shots of them going around those sort of mm. your top roads though and stuff. Um, he gets there just in time. It's good. You're going to be a great father because I'll be there to kick your ass if you're not. Uh, Dom is with Elena now still with kind of where he was at the end of the last film. And then we cut into the montage, which really sticks in my mind. Providing it gets via YouTube, it will be the trailer music for this mm. show. Um, it's the, yeah. it's, I think it's the credits as well. I think it's in the, uh, the post-credits as well, I'm sure. What, towards the end of the film? This yeah. Moment, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I just really like the sequence. It's very, very nicely edited together. It gives it a bit of a feel. It it actually whipped up like a bit of anticipation in me, whereas you think the first time I went in, I wasn't bothered about seeing this. Yeah. I wasn't resenting seeing it. I've played that up far too much, really. But I was like, well, whatever, you know. And they, they just put a bit of energy behind it. And it was actually quite a nice little primer. I mean, I didn't understand all the references. And all these years on, I'd forgotten some of them. So over the last four or five weeks, I've been seeing the constituent parts of this sequence and going, oh, that's where it goes from. So, yeah. Yeah. It's basically like a recap of, like, what's gone before. Yeah, it's quite effective as well, because it's only just over two minutes. It, it They edit the song down, because if you go and look, look up the video for the song, you can find this version on YouTube, but you can also find the longer one, and they, they've edited it down. It's a bit like they do with the Bond films, where you, where you get, like, a four-and-a-half-minute song, and when you watch it in the film, it's three minutes. Mm. And they, they managed to cut something out without really losing anything, and they've done that here. But yes, yeah, just a quick run the way. Th- it, it's basically homoeroticism a primer. <laughs> um, it takes you right through all the all the shots from the film, right the way through from the first film to to the, basically the bank heist at the end of the film, and then the walking towards the camera on the beach, looking hard. <laughs> Not at all, gay. Yeah, I like a man to be had. <laughs> yeah, all right. Pardon? It's from the Scousers go to that London. Uh, okay, so what's the first scene afterwards? We just get a pic. Oh, the first scene is uh, 
Do we go cut straight back to to Dom and that, and the baby's birth? Uh, no, it's uh, Moscow. Oh, of course it is. Yeah, because yeah, like you know, obviously this it just was picked up where like Tom Cruise uh, was you know doing his stuff in Ghost Protocol. Um, and yeah, you can imagine him walk because he does walk out of the Kremlin and just put on you know reverse his coat and put some glasses yeah. on and stuff. Doesn't he? I'd love it if he just walked. They just got a cameo of him just wandering past like. Dwayne and Dwayne doesn't notice. <laughs> uh, yeah, what is the FBI doing? Uh, it's, it's, not, it's not the it's FBI though, is it? It's the DSS or something. I thought he was an FBI agent. No, um, this is like DSS or something, doesn't it? Which, like, which made me laugh. Wasn't the FBI in the last film? No, no. Right. I'm getting so, confused uh, with all these three-letter okay. acronyms. That's the main plank of my humour for this show. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, bollocks. Bugger. Oh, dear. <laughs> and it doesn't do. Oh, don't worry. There's plenty of talk of family in there to poke fun at, so you're fine. No, no, that, I'll, be, I'll be absolutely fine, but one of the major planks of this film's fucking stupid is what are the, what's the FBI doing? Uh, it's me that's stupid. I didn't notice it wasn't the fucking FBI. <laughs> All right, so well, it, it could be some organisation who shouldn't be there. So it's actually, yeah, it started off in 1916 as the Bureau of Secret Intelligence. Mm. History lesson, people. There's, there's a, there's a. Pay attention. There's a fun fact for you. Agency's most visible activity is providing security to the U.S. Secretary of State, U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations. So it's security overseas. To yeah, okay, fair enough. Whether they would act in this role, I'm not sh- not sure. But it's a full-fledged law enforcement agency that works overseas. Agency employs 2,400. Right. Okay. Fair enough. DSS agents. That's like social security here. Yeah, that's what <laughs> made me laugh. Yeah. They're, they're basically saying whether you can have your unemployment payments. <laughs> that kind of reminds me. There's um. There's, there's the uh, oh that uh, Dan Brown um. Uh, movie, not 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 movie, but like the book that's the movie that's based on the book by Dan Brown Inferno, you know, with uh, Tom yeah. Hanks. Oh yes, of course. And yeah. like, and they have like the World Health Organization as this like, you know, almost like this like you know CIA type thing trying to protect. <laughs> and like, and, they're, and, and and they're showing up. Like, I, I'm with the World Health Organization, and they're like they're, they're armed. And I'm like, how? So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good. Put the tissue down. <laughs> right. So he gets there, and someone's like yeah. plowed a car or something into the side of the wall, and we find yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. It's all it's all play kind of play totally for laughs because like, how did that get there? You know, we yeah. we, uh, we we see we meet up, we get introduced straight away to his two with, with his new team member Riley, played by Riley, uh, Gina Carano, who yeah. was a. Uh, oh yeah, was Gina a, Carano. Profession. I thought she was in this film. Yeah. But um, no, she's um, she was a professional fighter at one point, Gina Carano, and a very successful one. Yeah. Uh, just a minute. But yeah, she's. She, I mean, she obviously made a full sort of move to. Um, yeah, she was. She Steven was. Steven uh, Soderbergh sort of made a film called Hay Haywire. Haywire. That was yeah, it, I think that's yeah. what she's most famous for as well. So that's um, a good film. Well, she, she has she has a good fight with. Um, uh, what's his name? Fassbender. Yeah, that's a really good scene in the film. Mixed martial artist she was, and relatively successful. She didn't fight for that long. She, and she did lose a sort of final fight, but yeah, okay, I yeah. So 
she's fine. She doesn't make a massive impression. I mean, you've just given her name. I don't think I ever really... I know what it is because I looked it up, but I don't think I've really ever particularly registered it in the film. But she's Elena's replacement because Elena is now with Dom. Yeah. Uh, which is absolutely no um, impediment for her rejoining later well, on. Well, it's, 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 it's that odd thing because given that where we left Elena, she was with Hobbs, so you think natural progression is Hobbs to hire her. But... We don't, but literally in that scene where Dom Dom and Co she was, leave. No, but she was working with Hobbs in the last film. Yeah. She she leaves to go to Dom, so she's basically now a fugitive. And at the end of the film she rejoins. It reminded me of that line in Fools and Horses when like Slater returned and it was like, You back in the police now, Roy And then just <laughs> after he's been in prison. It's like yeah. Um so that's a bit silly. But yeah, they basically he takes one look at this building in Moscow and he's like, "There's only one team that could have done this." Yeah, so we get the uh, so yeah, so we, it it kind of like sets up as a, as a mock kind of like Toretto. Only Toretto could do this. And yes, he, and he kind of I like. Hop- I don't think he says sure to start with, does he? He says no. one team. Carano's got him got him time basically in an interview room with one of the team. Yeah, and when we see the back of the head, you think it's Vin Diesel, don't you? Yeah, because it's basically just a big ball. It's Grant Mitchell, basically. Uh, yeah. Um, and, and again, there's no rules in this universe. He just kicks the shit out of him and destroys the room. I I do like how they play it though, because it's yeah, like, is, isn't that legal? It's like, yep. Get us all now. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to go in and tell him? No. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it turns out to be Owen Shaw's team, not Dominic Toretto's team. But it's clear. It's clearly. It's clearly a rogue nation. It's clearly a, it's a syndicate <laughs> version or whatever. Yeah, it is pretty much kind of rogue nation. This film, isn't it? Yeah, um, a little bit. Yeah. So uh, what next? Uh, he's got to track them down, or he's got. He tracks down Dom to start with. Yeah. Dom's, Dom's doing a barbecue or something. Oh, he's in bed. He's he's uh, he's in bed with Chris Hemsworth's wife. Yeah, Mrs. Chris Hesmond. Naked. There's implied nudity there. <laughs> he's definitely not gay. He's seen Mrs. Hemsworth's boobs. Well, <laughs> you say he's not gay. This this group have dispersed all over the world, and yet he's made sure he only lives down the road from Brian. <laughs> he's not. They're not cutting the and, cord and his yet. sister. So. <laughs> she's just incidental when we see his, when we see his sister she's wearing quite a low cut dress and yeah. you can see she's insecure she's struggling to keep Brian's attention <laughs> gaze into those big blue eyes I don't know yeah uh. so anyway we see where the, yeah he turns up and he shows him the photo of Letty and says because yeah. uh, he says well, you know you there's no extradition there, so he's got no need to hide. That's the line from the trailer. I wasn't hiding. Well, there's no need, no extradition there. Mm. Um, he says, I'm not here to arrest you. I'm here because, or extradite you. I'm here because I need your help. And in fact, you're going to beg me to, to let you. Yeah. And because he's got a photo of Letty, who's been photographed in and amongst Shaw's crew. Mm. And then we, I suppose, then we catch up with where everyone is, don't so, we? Yeah, Roman's on a plane. He's like, oh, you know, he's got some honeys. He's going off somewhere. It's Iron Man one, basically. Another, yeah, it's a, pretty much. Give it, give it a bit longer, and they, they, they'd be lap dancing. 
or pole dancing. So he's on a plane. Uh, Tej is somewhere. I don't know where he is, but he's wiring like a cash machine to give out money. Yeah. Uh, and he's got like a fast car. I thought they. I thought they were in Tokyo, yeah. but they talk about Tokyo like it's a new place for her to be going towards the end of the film. Mm. They're in the Far East somewhere because she's eating a she's eating Far East Asian food, but I'm not sure where. Probably it's probably either Korea or China or somewhere like that. But well, I, I my, my guess is probably Korea, Shanghai or something because she's eat, she's oh, eating. Yeah. Um, what are those Chinese dumplings called? She's eating dim sum, dim sum or something like that. Yeah. So. Okay, so they're there. Um, and what else? Uh, Brian's basically with his kid. Mm-hmm. Not far from Dom, just in case, you know. Because yeah. she's just had a baby. She's probably not very sexually active for a couple of months. So <laughs> Dom can be, TMI. Dom be filling in for him. Literally. Uh, literally <laughs> filling in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> literally. Uh, yeah, so yeah, we talk about he's not feeling like home, you know. Oh, you know, we're together. You know, we got we got the beers. We've got what well, you've got the barbecue, but it's just not right. Yeah, because he, yeah, he goes to see Brian. They have a long chat, don't they? Mm. And it's just, and he actually says to him, "I used to do stuff like this when I was a cop." You know, he's playing mm. with you, but there's no way they're not going to pursue it. And this was the bit that made me laugh the first time I see it because. Um, He's trying. He said it will just be me, and and Hobbs uh, says to him, "Just you's not good enough, not for this crew." And when he's talking to Brian, you you sort of sense he doesn't want to get Brian involved. But there's just, none of none of the people in this are particularly bad actors. But there was the bit where Mia comes out and says, "You know, no, you you've got to go get Letty. You know, you're stronger mm-hmm. together." Yeah. And I just remember the first time I watched this, like Paul Walker doing like deep thinking acting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I just remember going, "This is like the film trying to have some emotional resonance and stuff, and failing fucking dreadfully." Across the series, it does it really well. But this, you know, you're a team, guys. Your family. It was just like it made. I, I kind of laughed out loud. I think at this, but. It's, it's moody acting, isn't it? It's like you know, try and do a hard sum in your head. It's she's saying. Yeah, I was gonna say it's very she's much. She's saying yeah. something not that profound, and he's thinking about it like she's just changed his whole world view. And he is. He's trying to divide two hundred and twelve by thirteen. Yeah, so Jerry Tribbiani's <laughs> all of acting. Yeah. Uh, we're pretty much like straight into London, really. Straight into London with Dom looking at the window all moosily. Yeah. Uh, in kind of a vaguely golfing t-shirt. Yeah, they all turn up there, and he's like, you've got the best crew in the world now at your disposal. Yeah. Um, Give her a reason to stay. uh, I like the self-awareness of uh, Tyrese saying, why can I smell baby oil? (laughs) And Dwayne Dwayne Johnson's right behind him. (laughs) And it makes me laugh when... Dwayne Johnson makes jokes about Tyrese's forehead, and I'm thinking glass houses and all that. <laughs> Given at least three men in this cast are completely fucking bald. Yeah, it's it's about thirty percent of them, isn't it? Well, the point is, it's like there's no def. I mean, your forehead is your forehead, but the fact is, there's no definitive end point to it if you're bald. Yeah. Right. Which he is, and actually. Their actual foreheads, if they had full heads of hairs, Tyrese's is not that big. So anyway, don't matter. 
I think, that's uh, quite I think that line towards the end, I think that was ad-libbed, wasn't it? That was kind of just really spontaneous. So when you see Ludacris, like, you know, spit out his beer or whatever, it was just like, you know, I wasn't it, expecting it did, that. that was like, real. It did look real, actually. I think, yeah, I think he just kind of made up on the spot, or they just kind of, they wrote in a line, and he was like, oh, just, just ad-lib it, it's fine. So he just came out with this cracking line, and the rest of them were like, Speaking <laughs> of um, people having the same role, both Han and, Ty- both Han and uh, Roman are constantly eating. And it's almost like different directors invented that joke of different writers or whatever in different films. And now we've got both characters there and they're both constantly eating. Yeah, I think once, you know, because he's got high metabolism, but with Han, I think it's because he stopped smoking or he's quit smoking, um, quitting smoking, something like that. So he's got to have that hand to mouth action. Yo, vaping had not yet been invented. <laughs> yeah. Well, it obviously had, but, you know. Yeah, it wouldn't look that cool if he was like using one no. of those in- inhalators you could get from Nicorette or something. Fair um, enough. We don't con- we don't condone. So they they get outlined the basics, which is that Hobbs is stealing a load of components that they think is going to p- be to create a nightshade device, which is kind of there's something a little bit EMP about it actually. It's not an EMP, but it it, it you can actually disable power in an entire region, which is what an EMP does. So it's Goldeneye. Um, uh, but he's not going to use it. He's going to sell it to the highest build, bidder. But that can sort of, I suppose, he could be selling that to a terrorist. Yeah. Um, and Letty's in with the crew. Uh, she's got amnesia. But we don't know that at this stage. No, no. Um, so, yeah, so... Where yeah so like yeah so they yeah so they're having like a given reason to stay they they pretty much say well well we want immunity uh well effectively pardons yeah yeah uh he asks for something else towards the end of the film which I thought was a sweet little touch but at this stage it's pardons he said I can't give that he said you can mm. and he goes yes I can so <laughs> a thorough a thorough debate around the issues takes place. <laughs> I, I can't do that. Oh, go on. Oh, all right. <laughs> yes, you can. Actually, now you put it that way. <laughs> I see your point. <laughs> so where do we find out? Oh, the first thing is, I, 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 several times during this film, I was like, I'm not quite sure. I'm not even sure why Hobbs needs this crew. Because they basically, they've got a subordinate who is leading them to Shaw. And they've got a ton of police there. They don't know there's any deception going on. Hobbs could have just gone in and arrested him. Again, it's more than five. You've got to try not to think too hard about the constituent parts because it doesn't make any real sense. I mean, it's kind of setting up Shaw as a villain, as like the sort, the kind of the person who is always one step ahead of everyone. Yeah, by the standards of this series, he, he might be the smartest villain we've had so far. Uh, so he's, I think it's all, all set up. You, you could say Hobbs is, yes, he's doing what he's doing, but he kind of like, I, 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 I expect him to, to, this to not if he work. Pops out, yeah, I mean, basically for all the crew thing, the main, the main attributes of this team is they're all superb drivers. And Shaw's team is very car based as well. So I guess there's that. And that is how it unfolds. It's a distraction because a load of alarms are going off at the Interpol offices because they're trying to steal 
or something from there. I'm not. I was never quite sure what I'm assuming. It's um the is the opposing crew because he's got all the details on Dom and the rest of them at the end of all this. Yeah. So he's driving this kind of like. It's like a Meccano Batmobile. Well, you know, it reminded me of the thing you see, those uh, the ones you see on um, Robot Wars. You know, the good ones that just flip things over. You think that like, always wins. Yeah, that's uh, it's really low center of gravity. Very homemade feel to it, but a bit of a tanky sort of feel to it at the same time, even yeah. though it's really stripped down, which is why I said Meccano Batmobile, because that'll conjure up some sort of th- mixture of things in your mind. Think the Ben Affleck at Batmobile with almost all the bodywork stripped off. Mm. Um, very, very low center of gravity, lower than the tumbler. Yeah, he busts out killing the bloke. He gives him his money as a th- thank you for the distraction doesn't say what it is, he said, but the job we're doing right now, there's a bomb in it, which he detonates to, and which blows up the whole bloody thing anyway, disables most of the police and leaves the crew to chase him. Um, this chase goes on a very long time, doesn't it? That's quite yeah. a long chase. It's quite quite a lot of um, destruction in this one. I mean, I, I, I do think it's kind of... Also, a thing to note is that, you know, we're, we're sure here it's... It does kind of set up his mentality as well, you know. The very first scene kind of like tells tells you everything you need to know about him. Like, you know, he's like talking about like you know spare parts and, and you know and, and and things coming together. And when things go bad, you just replace them, and everything works smoothly again. And this 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 kind of like dynamic against well, uh, Dom and Brian and all that lot, and they're you know they're sensitive they're sensitive to family and like you know on you know never leave a man behind. Whereas Sure's the opposite. He will like, no, happily leave somebody behind. Everything is secondary to the job. Yeah, but he's very respectful of skill sets, as we find at the end of this. Because when they get the files, jumping forward a scene, mm. when they get the files on the guys, one of them says they're just petty criminals. Mm. Bear in mind, their files would say stole DVD players. <laughs> um, and he said, but they're, they're, they're petty criminals that came within like an ace of taking us down. So let's show them some respect. Yeah, I think there was probably sort of sense that like they managed to sort of stay on us longer than anyone else has so far. So yeah. it would be like, right. I don't know that I've got a lot to say about the beats of this. This, 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 is, um, this is where Dom does encounter Letty the first time though, isn't it? Uh, yes, because she turns up and shoots him. He gets out of the car. It's Letty. He doesn't know what's going on. She gets out and immediately shoots, yeah, him, shoots in him in the shoulder. He, he, he recognises her driving because he knows because there's a they're like chasing like you know, Sean and his crew, and then like there's a a car. We you know we don't see who it is, but he's like Don't I recognise make... that. It's it, in unit. I mean, it's ridiculous, but in universe it works because ever since the first film, he's been saying. If I see how you drive, I know who you are. Hmm. It, it's a in the in the lore of this series, its driving styles are very much self-expression. Yeah. So, and, and it actually works in the dialogue as we go on, where they're talking about scars. And um, I watched the start of the seventh film today, and there's there's a bit there about you need to do this, and it's like that's not me to do this in a race. So. A bit far-fetched, but yes, it's Letty. And when he gets in front of her, she shoots him. And, and, and then I just thought of um, 
there was another bit that was, that was like the Homer Simpson catching the bullet and throwing it back. It was a bit, he, he operates on himself after this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, like, you know, it, it's a typical action movie, Hollywood, you know, a shot, a shot in like in the, like the, the shoulder. Nothing. As long as it's not in your heart or your head, you can just, you can, you can still operate <laughs> as normal for a short period of time. <laughs> I don't think you could go through the film without addressing it, but if there was another four or five minutes on the action sequence, you're all right. Yeah. Um, and then if you're a bit of an outlaw and you're very muscular, you're good at like field surgery. Yeah, it's like it, it, like it's like when you get shot, you know, you, you act like sh- you act as if you're shot until the point where you have the bullet removed, and then you have it patched up, and you limp a bit for the rest of the scene, and then. And then he's fine. Yeah, he's fine. He, he never has any problems with this. I mean, bear in mind how debilitating bullets can be. Yeah, but the fact you that know, he removes it himself. If we got shot in the shoulder, you know... we'd never be the same again. We'd probably survive it. No, you'd probably lose that. Oh, well, not lose an arm, but you wouldn't be able to use your arm, would you? Well, your muscles would be damaged and things like that. Is it because he's secretly like a superhero or something? He's like, I don't know. Can he also be fast? He pulls this bullet out, and it's like you know, Brian's immediately. What you've got there is such and such, such and such, which is from such and such gun. Like, all right, yeah. uh, it's amazing how many hitmen sort of work with very, very rare weapons. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the 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 thing thing I, I like about that bit where like the, the Brian like sort of say, oh it's such a point. okay well uh, seeing as guns are illegal in the um, in the UK you know can it be some of the pawn shops so they, they find a pawn shop and then. Uh, and ask a guy from Asia, and they, they tell him something that, yeah, yeah, it was someone who looked like Letty. Well, great. What's that tell you? <laughs> what's that tell you? What What was the point? It, it, it's a Hispanic lady. It's like, and there's <laughs> only a few million. We of know. Got some more information. <laughs> yeah, uh, could you be more specific? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, now, so I've fill in a plot gap to me. I, it isn't a plot hole, I just can't remember. How do they find out that the villain from the fourth film is somebody Brian needs to go in? Uh, that's oh, that's later one with the garage guy. When they're looking for Garrett and the, okay. the, the guy, her yeah. name drops. We do, in the midst of all this, we do get a bit of them fucking about at base and like fucking mm. Roman nearly shooting. <laughs> nearly shooting. God. <laughs> you know, just things that will come into play, yeah. like grappling hooks and all that, that we see at the end of the film. He very nearly shoots Dom. That joke's really telegraphed. I like Justin Lin, and I think he's a very talented filmmaker. But there was a way Dom was walking towards the camera, and we've not long seen mm-hmm. them pissing around with something. I think something's about to come shooting through here in a minute. Um, so we've got them all having to do little bits mm-hmm. and pieces, haven't we? Um, yeah, we have Letty with Shaw. We kind of like see, so we kind of establish that she's lost her memory, um, but is having kind of. She's getting visions. Uh, yeah, of, she... of exact shots from the fourth mm. film. Um, it turns out when she was shot, we, we find this out. Off, no, I'll come back to that because Ortiz fills this in it later. Um. D- uh, Hobbs and Tej have to go and get cars, don't they? Yes. And and they 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 go to an auction that appears to be curated by Arnold Rimmer. 
<laughs> oh dear, dear. Is, I was trying to think where I've seen him before obviously it's not Arnold Rimmer um, not Chris Barry um, but yeah he's just he's one of those, like, he, he like pops Chris... up in a few of those sort of things doesn't he yeah well it's a bit like Chris Barry's character in the first Tomb Raider film yeah where he's like a butler yeah it, it's very Chris Barry Red Dwarf reference for anyone who's not seen it um, increasing numbers of our listeners have because we mention it now and again um yeah, all played for comedy. Not bad. Fairly funny. I remember laughing in the cinema. Mildly hilarious. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we all kind of like, you know, seeing a, a stuck-up get getting his comeuppance. It was yeah. border. It was actually... Maybe I'm just sensitive to this because of what's going on in the world at the moment, but it was bordering on racially way too insensitive. The way they spoke to... The way he spoke to the two of them... Yeah, I thought appeared I did to be saying, a bit of that. Appeared to be saying, there's no way two black men get, have got enough money for this unless you're like rappers or something and you're not wearing bling. No, I did find the scene that I was, I was like, really? You know, they, even though this film was, you know, it was made a few years ago, it's just like they wouldn't I, I, uh, do that today. I mean, yeah, there is an element. I'm not saying I was offended. I'm not saying I was particularly offended by it, but you both get what I mean. Yeah, I, no, oh, no, of course, yeah, definitely. I, I, I do and I don't. I mean, I, yeah, I do in the sense that, yeah, there is obviously a little bit when you, like, you know, assume and you're talking down to, like, someone who, 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 who looks that part, you know, like, you know, with your honeys or whatever. Uh, yeah, that was a bit... Mm. I don't know but, if I... But it's only, it's only really with Tad, yeah, so... Yeah, that line as well, her honeys. I don't know if I would have felt the same if you'd swapped out Dwayne for Vin. Do you know what I mean? If he talked down to them then, like, there's no way you've got enough money to buy these cars and only one of them's black, might be different. Don't know. It was just a little bit like, oh, that's a bit near the knuckle. I mean, I, I, you know, I can kind of, well, it, maybe I just sort of saw what you know, the the guy was actually saying. I mean, he'd been an arrogant twat, but it was just like saying, ooh, you know, you, you, obviously, you know, you don't, you're not dressed like you've got money. Do you know what I mean? Well, put, it, put, put it this way. It started off as, there's no way you can buy these cars. And I my mind immediately ran to, because they're both black. Then he started to like explain why. And I thought, oh, well, this, this is going to improve matters. And it doesn't. It makes it worse. Because, all, well, not so much with Dwayne, because he talks about him having a military bearing and his clothes being, that's the sort of money they earn. But the stereotyping around Tej is very much like oh, the only black people with money are these types of black people. Yeah. And that was like, you, you've actually not made it any better there. It's not that big a deal. It's one of those things that everything is, even things that weren't that many years ago, are something of a time capsule. It's only seven years ago, but you just go, well, I, hazard to, I guess they write that slightly differently now. Yeah, things things do it, change it's not, in a short it's, space of time. It's not like curry and chips or blackface. <laughs> it's not. It's not. Mm, that sorry, bad, I just. But it's curry. just very slightly like. Yeah, I think things have slightly moved on since even since this. Yeah, even in the space of you know, five or six or seven eight years time, and it's just like it will change a little bit. I mean, I think there was another scene that was deleted because it was a little bit. Um, I don't know, misogynistic, for example. But it's you can't, not I think to the that, point you know. you'd have to edit this. It, it's no. not to the point that, like, you'd have to bleep it or cut the scene out. I don't mean that. I just mean that, like, 
I think there'd be slightly more awareness now that there's a slight insensitivity. It's insensitivity in the way that it's been written. And they've tried to get round it by having explained to them why they don't have enough money. And it actually doubles down on it in one case. It's not that big a deal. The scene itself is kind of um, all right. They end up humiliating by taking all his clothes or most of his clothes mm. and sort of short, you know, leaving him shorn of his dignity. It's fairly funny. It's all right. Yeah, as I say, Pompous Man gets the comeuppance. So. At the same time, um, Han, Roman, which isn't the most natural pairing, but okay. Um, and then Riley and Giselle all head to this garage. That's here, isn't it? Uh, yeah, so, yeah, they go car shopping, yeah, they go to the car garage, you know, obviously they establish with a grappling hook so they kind of, like, work That's with... the thing, they've established, they've, they've, they've established how the car handled, and they stand, they sit having a conversation about how it's either got to be this type of hydraulics or mm. magnetic or whatever, because it's the way it corners. So they've, they're going around garages in London to find out who's done that sort of thing. Yeah. And it's established in dialogue by Riley when they get there that this is the fifth one they've been to. So yeah. the film was just cut straight to... They didn't look on the first one. that They've been smart enough to go. Like, they didn't immediately go with this one. Um, Roman's about to go and just... Roman and Han are going to go down and Roman's going to bullshit them and Han's going to be charming and mm. actually he just went, it's a guy, we'll go. And they go down to, to talk to him and basically Gina's got a bit of cleavage on display anyway. So they go down to try and like charm him. Yes. Yeah. Doesn't he's our man? <laughs> yeah, because we're all that dumb. <laughs> I mean, I am, but really? like, surely some of us aren't. <laughs> surely. I don't know, but you know, you, you, you do kind of get like mesmerised when someone flashes a tits, tits in your face. You go, like, oh. <laughs> um. I'm willing to do a controlled experiment. <laughs> If you'd like to flash your tits at me, write to us at gmail.com. Yeah, be careful. You didn't specify which tits. You could have, have like, you, you could have a man saggy tits here. Blue tits. Yeah, so meanwhile, you know, Dom O'Brien go looking for that pawn shop that tells them nothing. Doesn't really advance the plot other than just they just beat up a couple of guys in a. It's really it's the film trying to be smart and the script isn't as sharp as last week's. It just isn't because like this doesn't make a lot of sense. They're just trying to find out mm. where things are and they don't really find much out. But they don't find um, anything out. It's like, well, what information did you get from it? Well, like, well, it's probably Letty. Well, you know it's Letty because she shot you point blank. So <laughs> what does I that know, tell you? I know. It, well, we come to that with the whole Brian thing later. Uh, well, in a minute, it's not very far away at all now, but that whole thing's a waste of time. But we'll come yeah. to it. It, it. In character terms, it's probably not, but we'll come to it. Um, yeah. So uh, um, yeah. What, what else? Yeah. So ba- yeah. Basically, um... the guy at the garage manages to like uh, make a call without it being seen. He's got mm-hmm. an open line. So when Giselle's talking to him and saying, "We just want to know about Shaw and all the rest of it," Shaw hears all that and sends like crew down there, including Letty, yeah, to shoot at them. And of course, the guy gets caught in the crossfire. Which is just completely self-defeating because she can she she he ends up in his dying breath giving them some information. Um, yeah, T- yeah, tells them Braga. Braga, that's it. Who so. sent you? 
Oh, he asked me three times. Damn it. Now, the Hobbraga was the bad guy in Fast 4. Which two weeks on, I'd sort of forgotten to be honest. Even though I didn't, even though I enjoyed the film, I've sort of slept since then and watched loads of other stuff. I didn't get this at the time, but it, it doesn't matter in some respects because they say, "Well, Braga, we need to know what what happened there." So Brian calls in a favor from Shay Shay Wiggum's character mm-hmm. to go back into the United States, be arrested under like a pseudonym and go into prison for literally a night before they process the fingerprints and find out who he really is mm-hmm. and imprison him permanently get into be put in the prison he's in and get alongside him so he can find out all this incredible information and it's it's mental because i mean he flies back but, to the yeah United like States. the mechanics of it i just think how how, how does that work how how does that like, how would you like go under a soon name and then do something that'll get you in into solitary? That's the thing. They get there and they find out that Braga's in solitary confinement. And then once you, once you're in solitary confinement, how do you like sort of say, "Oh, it's all right. I'm, I'm letting him out now." I, I, I don't understand. I, I I don't understand how like you know there's like you know you you go to prison for a period for a day. The mechanics of why Shay Wiggum they hated each other. He broke Shay Wiggum's nose. He seems to have only come back in this film to repeat that as a joke because he's like, again? And as good as an actor as he is, he delivers that really badly. Um, just the wrong tone for it and everything. Because when they get in there, he's like, I, I could only get you this far. If, if you want to get next to Braga, you've got to call some kind of scene. And he immediately beats him up. Mm. Sorry about this. But I think, why would he risk his career for him? He wasn't in four very much. And when he was in four, you hated each other. Um, he's a wanted man. It's just an unbelievable risk. Just on logistics, he flies back to the. He flies from the United States from London, which is what? I mean, it's the far side as well. It's I don't know where in the United States it is actually. Well, no, I mean presumably if he was arrested in like let's California, say Arizona would be like kind of that kind of area. Well, you're talking a ten-hour flight yeah. then, aren't you? Yeah, I was thinking not, easily. It, so you got ten to, hours. You've got well. It, I mean, it's it's seven or eight hours to the East Coast. This film's carbon footprint is huge. So, um, but forgetting that, you've still got to like, how, how did it even work in time? He, he, he got over there, spent one night, came back, no jet lag, no problems. Mm. He's gone over there because they've got to find out this vital information about Letty. And what he finds out is uh, Letty survived the shooting. Well, we know that. She's fucking alive right there. Um, Shaw went in to kill her. And now she works for Shaw because why didn't he kill her? Because she has amnesia. Well, we know that because she didn't recognize Dom and shot him anyway. So having undertaken this top secret mission to go and find a load of shit out, all we get is Brian being given a bit of a guilt trip. And when he makes it back to the crew just in time to go to Spain and he's and he's like, this is what I found out. Dom goes, whatever you learned was for you. <laughs> no, no, but you also learned that you know, you know, Shaw, uh, Shaw will find you when he wants to find you. So, so in uh, other words, we've just heard, we've just basically got the plot point that Shaw's quite formidable. He's just <laughs> evaded the entire UK police, you know, well, the London police, you yeah. know, killed a few of them. Um, and evaded a crew that we've been following for several films and know are quite good at what they do. 
this whole plot point's a waste of time. It seems to be about literally just building up, giving us the exposition around Letty, which the character of Brian might want, but the plot doesn't need. Or even if the plot needs, these people don't need it at this point in the plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only salient information is Letty works for Shaw, but she's she doesn't know who she is. Okay. Yeah. She, whether she knows she's called Letty, I don't know, because I can't remember if Shaw ever referred to her as Letty. We don't know what name she goes under, actually, because she's only ever no, referred to by that... our crew. I think it is still Letty. The, the whole um, amnesia storyline, you don't, we don't, we aren't told a lot about it. We don't know what she knows, what she doesn't know. That's the point. There, there are no knowns, there are no unknowns, things that one of those That's weird right? Jahari window type things. Him going into the prison serves us, the audience. Because we get the flashback, and instead of shooting her, he shot the petrol tank, she was thrown down a bank, presumably hit her head, got amnesia, which is just a lazy, soapy plot device anyway. But they've gone with it, and that's fine. So this is exposition from the audience, but it's still got to have some relevance to the characters within the film. They've sent Brian halfway across the world, right, for one night, put him in a prison that if he does, if he if it goes wrong, he won't get out of, to find out secret information that will aid their mission. What he finds out is Letty works for Shaw and she's got amnesia and Shaw's quite formidable. We know all three of those things. Even if we didn't, when he gets back to the crew and is ready to tell them all he's learnt, Dom cuts him off and says, that was for you. So they've sent him over, presumably to assuage his own guilt about playing Letty in the first place. But actually, it just made him feel worse because he came back going, well, actually, your amnesia and all of this is my fault. So it's telling us, the audience, something, but it's actually very, very poorly written. Well, yeah, it's just an excuse to go, you know, we'll have a scene there. I mean, the the dialogue is like Exhibit B, I suppose, in this Mm. film. But it's, it's Exhibit A as to why last week was a better film. Yeah, but yeah. It's a narrative dead end. I think this is probably why you feel like the movie drags, I think, in this area. It's up to this point, wasn't it, where you're kind of going on unnecessarily... I didn't have to... I guess with five, I had to think about it to come to its problems, in that it doesn't have many problems, but they spend a lot of time planning one thing, and and then at the end they have to go for a smash and grab. So you think, well, what was that all about? And you think, well, no, that's got its merits as well. Here, I'm having to ignore things. We're about to come to another one. I mean, at, at some point in this film, uh, Shaw and Dom meet in like what looks like a car park. And Shaw could be about to take down Dom, but then he realises there's like a laser sighter on his chest. Shaw is in the sights of... Hobbs. And my first thought, even on first viewing, was, well, that's game over, isn't it? Why why has the film got any fucking running time over this? This is logically a dead end because they've got him. They've got him. If he's that dangerous, just fucking shoot him. Presumably dead or alive is fine. If it's not, you've got him at the end of a gun. Um, And, you know, you could... If he tries anything, you can shoot him because that's just resisting arrest. I hate using that term in the current context of what's going on in the world, but you know what I mean. And the scene itself where they're stood having their aren't we hard talk 
is is long. So yeah, this film has some some minor problems. They're fairly minor, but like last week didn't have any of this. Yeah. I guess we got again. It's like one of those like we have to have like the uh, uh, you know the good guy and the bad guy like, have their moment. Like you know we're not they so different, you face. and I. You know? Yeah, <laughs> uh, that kind of thing. Uh, and, also, and all, yeah, all their dialogue is like one-liners. All of it. it. It is like a bit die another day in that regard. It's mm. much better on the die another day. Don't get me wrong, but it, it, it's all dropped off a little bit. Again, we're still in the peak era of the series. It's still superior to much of what we've had to date but i i now see with seven days removed from when we last recorded why i thought five was better than this when i first saw five and having watched them really close together again yeah i stand by it um what's the next thing so brian manages to get out of prison letty is still being a little bit challenged over yeah, because uh, obviously you be on? one of the guys, one of the uh, the other men died, and there's obviously there's little sense of loyalty with uh, Shaw. He's like, oh well, you failed, paid a price. And yeah, like, but there's also yeah, there's a little bit of are oh, you going to be on our side? And and of course she's now got the necklace. Yeah, and um, she's got it from the street race with Don. But it was also um, oh we have we haven't really talked about the street race, have we? No, um, the, yeah, it's basically sort of Dom and Letty have a moment, really, isn't it? Um, yeah, they turn up to a street race, which is once again all fit women dancing. <laughs> and the race mm, is start- it's, that, it's that kind of token scene, isn't it, pretty much? I had to look it up because the race is started by Rita Aurora. Yeah. Should have uh, been Rihanna, but never mind. Why wasn't it? Do you know? Uh, no, I don't, actually. Rihanna? I think she was busy. I think she was busy filming. Or was it actually meant to be Rihanna? Yes, yeah, I think there was there was some um, the schedules clashed. She couldn't make it. She, I can't remember what did what MVG was filming. I mean, like I say, I put seven on right after this, and that starts with something similar as well. Every time we cut to street racing, it's like fit women. It's, yeah, a bunch of sexy ladies. Ooh, um, not wearing art. The race is always started by by a woman, and in seven, she's literally like shaking her ass a bit before she does it. It's quite like. It's um yeah it's the same as we've had for weeks but they have a race through the streets of London I think the race is done really well particularly as the police are straight on them I don't know why they managed to have a party in the street when they're about to have a street race but they're driving around Piccadilly and fairly major landmarks in London yeah um, this is London uh, baby in London yeah baby. pretty much all the same stuff again it, it's moved on from the earliest races where it was just a drag race i mean they, they I, actually... I, I'm, not, I'm not sure where they're supposed to be going after this it's like like are you want to get set go and they just drive off and like who knows what happens to yeah, the, 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 yeah the finish line I, I do remember thinking in the normal run of things do they have to gingerly drive back evading the police and then say to them and then when they get back the organizers go which one are you on then? <laughs> <laughs> like they drive off and you don't see them till they come back and have an argument over like who's claiming to have won and not. But they do have a conversation and I like that conversation. Yeah. It's kind of tender. They have a chemistry. They're very close together. It's I know everything about you. Is this where we do the scars bit? Yeah. I like that. Cause he rem- it's just that they were childhood sweethearts. I don't know how that works on their relative ages, by the way, but they, you know, certainly they were together from a young age, and every scar on her body, he knows the story. 
And they've taken to some time to sit and think about that. And even to come up with this as a scene, I think is a really good idea mm. because we've not, it's not like you think of the third Indiana Jones film where we learn how he got the scar on the chin that only ever came about because Harrison Ford has a real scar on his chin. Yeah. It's not like we've seen plenty of like Letty in like a top in some shorts and she just happens to have a few scars. And we're now going to retrospectively explain that. They've thought about this as a scene, and I just think it's a real tender bonding scene. But it also speaks to history, because the hist- our history is in our scars and marks and stuff. Mm. I like it. Yeah, so, well, like, you know, I'll show you who you are, you know, I'll show you who you are, I'll show you how you drive, you know, that, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, just because you know how I drive, and it's like, well, I know everything about well, you. Well, yeah, the two are kind of intertwined. It's like she can read... This will sound really stupid, but like he can read her body like it's like a map of their relationship. For example, he can say, you know, this this is where you, this comes from. This is how you got that, and this is where you have this scar. For example, yeah, so, and that sounds really silly, but it's, it's just like me that. as a softie. I, just, I think it's one of the better scenes in the series today. Yeah, it's a really touching moment, um, and it's got chance for them to and I thought it was really ha- sorry, it was handled really sensitively. So it stands out in a film of crap dialogue as well. Yeah, it's one of the most you know most loveliest scenes in the film. I like, I do like sort of a, it's a slight, it's not often you see, you know, Thoreau, you know, Vin Diesel being like a semi-humble, but when he's like talking about like, you know, when we, when we first met, it's like, you know, like, you know, you nearly got like, you got you nearly got that scar from you know, getting wiped out by a stupid kids showing off. It's like, well, I was a stupid kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It really, yeah, you have to sell how much he loves her because... I don't know how, how well this series was planned out or these three films, but of course we thought she was dead. Now we know this series retrospectively, of course she wasn't, but you know what I mean. And he starts the film in bed with somebody else. And the person he was in bed with is really attractive as well. I mean, I know taste is subjective, mm. but she's a very beautiful woman. And so we need to be reminded that they just have a history and it's beyond physical attraction and it's beyond it's beyond relationships most of us have because it spans a lifetime. Um, I, I do think it's a really, really lovely scene. Uh, but he does give a, he give a, he gives her back the necklace, which is the touchstone of their love story all the way through the series. And the key point is, I don't know what her feelings are when she goes back to shore, but she does say keep it to him because it's like she's trying to show him that there's no emotional attachment, and clearly there is. Um, yeah, uh, obviously, you know, him and Shaw have a little, you know, we're not so different, you and I. Uh, I don't like that scene. It's funny, it's like a non-romantic version of the Letty scene in that it's just two <laughs> people quietly in like a, a, a you know, a shut-off area, but I, I don't I, like I it. I could reach out and break you. Your code is family. It's just the film should end at this point. I mean, it's just not thought through. The person who whose job it is to bring him in, has him in his sights. You know? And the main thing is, what they're trying to put together is really dangerous, so at a push you would kill him. I'm not saying you just sniper him just like that, but like if you have any problems with taking him in, or he makes a move on Dom, you have him in your sights. So, again, it's just a few logical fallacies. So you just I, be I, like, oh, it's weird. I don't know, I just... Dom I just can die. I, don't, I mean, it is two years on from the last film, but I do wonder if this film might have benefited mm. from an extra year. There's just a few little bits in it where you think, another I mean, draft of the script I mean, you look, might have picked Dom up. I mean, Dom didn't know Hobbs was there anyway. Because I think you know, Hobbs, Hobbs must have, like, tracked him, and then it's like, once 
you yeah, know, but the Hobbs, Hobbs is there. Well, I know, but it's I think I think again, it's like it was that thing about you know developing trust between the two, and I don't think you know Hobbs it Hobbs wouldn't sort of necessarily just let Dom die for the sake of you know just killing Shaw. Do you know what I mean? It 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 wouldn't it wouldn't it would go against. I mean, you've literally you've literally got the gun on him. I just I don't see how we end up. Because I, yeah, I don't I don't see the in-universe logic. I understand why the film carries on after this. But anyway, uh, then so Brian gets back, and then the next point is uh, Tej, who's now the the computer genius in the Western world. Yeah, has like... tracked. Uh, shore to Spain, and it's going to be like an uh, attack on a military convoy or something like yeah. that, isn't it? So they all head to Spain. Uh, Brian gets back. Oh, you know, keep your bags packed, Brian. We're going to Spain. He I'm must. He must be jet lagged to fuck. Yeah. Yeah, and he hasn't had like a shave, a shower, or anything. When he sleeps, yeah. Can you imagine the cramp and the and the and the and the, and the sweat and the, and, the, and the sweat marks on the groin? Jeez. They think they think it's an attack on a base. It actually turns out to be the convoy, and it's a computer chip they need to complete mm. this device. A MacGuffin. Yeah, doesn't. Yeah, it's a bit of MacGuffin style, isn't it? So, um, they steal a tank. That Letty and Shaw are in a tank, um, and they're basically. Well, it ends up with them driving the wrong way down a motorway, yeah. just running over cars, and there's no doubt they are killing people by the dozen because yeah, they're it, just absolutely it, flattening. Cars. It's it starts off like, oh, we're going to attack the base, so we're going to sort of like move move the place, which you know, thinking about anyone who knows security would think, hang on, no, surely this is a stupid idea because you're yeah. you're instantly making it a lot more vulnerable. Yes. Which makes yeah. you think, oh, hang on, maybe this was the idea in the first place. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it ends up with this long chase on a on a yeah. highway. Um, lots of, like, family-type dialogue in that, you know, we all trust each other, we improvise, and all the rest of it. He got um, a tank. Yeah. Roman and Tej got on my tits in this scene. I did love how uh, Tej delivered that line because he kind of like he says it with a kind of like amazed, but also just like, yeah, oh, just, what? Just they could just stop the convoy with like, but they can't because it's a tank. Because they got a tank, and they they try and hook cars to it and stuff like that. Mm. I mean, it's quite tense. His car nearly gets destroyed. You know, we've seen them run over several things. So, as visual storytelling, we know the stakes. Um, so what do we want to say about this they end up with that tank ends up dragging along what's left of Roman's car yeah and everybody else's car that ends up in its wake and yeah that car I can't remember what does um, Paul Walker does something to get that yeah, car Brian basically he kind of like he, he basically sort of like sort of drives up to it and kind of knocks it over the end of the bridge so it kind of yeah and then eventually it catches and like jackknifes the tank Um, Letty was coming out was out of the tank to sort the cord to unhook Mm. that car 
I don't know how easy that would have been at that speed, but there you go. Um, and so she's tossed into the air. Brian has seen, uh, not Brian, uh, Dom has seen this. He's already climbing out of his car and he throws himself through the air across the freeway, catches her, turns and lands back first on the windshield of a car. And they're both fine. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to make of this because ridiculous it seems a redundant thing to throw at this series at this point. And I kind of like the whole sequence. So it was all right. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's just it's just a good action scene. I mean, ridiculous, but good action scene. Which, which, which constantly thinking about Lortez is just sat on a, a bridge for the yeah. entire bit. <laughs> I know, he's just stood watching. Um, but again, they thought about giving some, some, everybody something to do. We haven't mentioned Han and Giselle, but they're there. And we, they, they hijack a car quite well out of speed. Yeah. Um, but... Shaw has uh, had Mia kidnapped. Ooh, that sneaky bastard. Yeah, he's a sneaky git, isn't he? Yeah, they nearly got away because uh, Elena was with her. Elena got away with the kid mm. and she she didn't. Um, that doesn't sound good if you've not seen the film, but if you actually see the sequence, it's not like Elena just ran off with the kid and sod you. Yeah, I was going to uh, say, that, that, out of context, that does sound a bit... Mm. Uh, no, but Elena was trying to rescue them. and, and Yeah, were, I, th- I think, I think the plan was to get all three, wasn't it, really, you think? Yeah, yeah. So, um, because they're a family, and they're, they're not going to risk her, they have to <laughs> um, they have to kind of let Shaw go. Mm. Uh, Riley goes off with them. I love the line of dialogue. She said, like, you know, uh, Hobbs says, uh, like, you know, if you let him go, uh, things like amnesty goes goes out the door, and I can't remember, I'm trying to remember the line Diesel says. Like he says something like it was gone. It was gone the day we were born. <laughs> it was just a bad. <laughs> and, line. And, and that was just like yeah, a dodgy line. Yeah, and that was just like sums up like all the dialogue in in this film. Really, it's just constantly trying yeah. to find like this big kind of like hard, meaningful thing yeah. to say. I mean, I've, I've seen it in several films, but that line where it was like I was born ready. But the, the the film I really like it, and I don't like the film very much. But Ocean's Twelve, when Benedict, oh, yeah. Terry Benedict says it, and George Clooney just rolls his eyes at it. <laughs> He's just like, oh, oh no, I think that's the third. We're gonna have to add that series to our list, aren't we? I think. I think it that's was... the third film. All right, okay. Uh, is, yeah, I was born ready. Uh, born ready. Uh, Albert Finney has a similar line in Skyfall, and I hated it there as well. Oh, it's uh, a che- such a cheesy line. Is it very hackneyed? You just think, oh, it's really? It's just like. You, you, I can picture someone writing it because sometimes you get too close to material. Yeah. You lose objectivity. But all these things get checked, read, producers, directors look at it. And I just think the first thing you do is get rid of that line or just change it to something a little bit less on the nose. Like, well, that's always been the way for us or something like that. Just try and stop me, you little shit. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. You jumped on little shit. <laughs> yeah, so they basically got to get onto this plane to fly off. Mia's on the plane. Yeah. Uh, uh, Hot, uh, Shaw drives like his whatever it is truck onto it. So they've now got to chase this plane to stop it taking off. And basically, the plane lands because they're driving. He's driving along Hobbs on a uh, Hobbs uh, short on a on a runway. Mm. And they're going, well, where's he going? But a plane comes into land and he drives onto the plane. Um, this is quite a long runway. 
Yeah, I know. Older than me. Well, I did a time check on the version I was watching anyway. And from the moment the plane lands to the moment it crashes is 12 and a half minutes. If we say conservatively, conservatively that plane was doing 100 miles an hour, that means the train, the plane travelled something like 21 miles. Mm. And that's not adding the bit that they walk beyond it at the end and there's a bit of driving before the plane even lands. So it's not unreasonable to suggest that runway is at least 23 miles long. It's a really tense sequence, but I mean, I didn't switch that off because I remember watching this the first time and I leant into the friend I was with and went, how long is this fucking runway? It goes on forever and ever and ever. Amen. Mm. I never had a, an issue with it. Now, maybe it's just my, you know, my penchant for, you know, shitty action movies that make no logical sense. But I just thought, you know what, I'm... I, the, the runway is as, is however long it needs to be. It didn't stop me enjoying the film. Yeah. They paced it really well. They um, had everyone doing something. They put people in peril. There's a lot of positive things to say about all of this. It's been actually very well managed. But it's only the fact that all of these things get looked at, checked, read, edited, and everything else. And I just think, how knowing are they on this stuff? Is it one of these they go, yeah, we'll give the audience a bit of a laugh or it doesn't matter or come on, we're all a bit, you know, we know this series has its silly moments. Or is there an essential laziness at the heart of this, which I'm less inclined to forgive? Mm. Because you just think it's it's not that hard to like, I, I mean, it, it's not like you're adapting something existing. That was ridiculous. You've written this from scratch. You've chosen to put yourself into this situation. You know, it's a bit like when we talked about the rise of Skywalker. They put the ticking clock of 12 hours on or 18 hours or whatever, 16 hours, I think it was, or whatever it was, and then backed themselves into a corner where suddenly it's like, well, that logically would have to be done in an hour, and that's impossible. You know, uh, Gustav, I've mentioned Die Another Day a couple of times tonight. Gustav Graves being knighted in 40, 14 months from having been like a fucking Korean colonel. Um, this is something. This is a box you voluntarily backed into. And I, I don't want to be that hard on it because I like this sequence. And there's something about the silliness of this series I kind of enjoy as well. But at the same time, if this is the result of laziness, I just think, well, like, why did you put yourself in that position? Yeah. I think my my personal feeling is, I I, I think it's um, it it's it's knowing it it's knowing what that it is stupid, but it's it's just. Kind of, it's, I tend to think it's knowing, but I, 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 is it is it knowing, thinking the audience won't notice, i.e. Are they looking down their nose at the audience, or as a bunch of like, you know, me ed teenagers will come and watch this, or are they having a little wink with us? I think I think it's like I think it's one of the things. If you're thinking about how long the runway is, uh, well, you know, not to say if you think think, but but if it is, if how long the runway is, if if it's you know if it is an issue for you, then series just not for you. I think it's just like I think it's that kind of thing. It's just like well, you know, it, it, it it's it's flights of fancy, isn't it? And I think well, they it was kind the of first go one with. I saw, and I loved it. 
Mm. I had a great time with it. All the flaws I've said tonight, I recognised at the time, but it wasn't a deal breaker. It was like, okay, that's fine. But I noticed it. I noticed it on first viewing. I mean, I lent in and I was like, what the fuck's this? But I still come out going, that was a laugh. I enjoyed it. Mm. Yeah, so, I don't know. Uh, the fight scenes are kind of fun. Because it starts off with Vin Diesel fight, fighting a very roided guy. And as soon as like Dwayne Johnson turns up, they reorganise so Vin Diesel fights the slightly smaller guy. Mm. And he has no less of a problem with Shaw than he had with this massive bodybuilder. But they do actually edit it all very nicely. The, the fist fights are quite tense. It, we're cut into outside. You know, they're trying to peat on the bloody plane and they end up like Tej, uh, Tej and Roman slightly miss and end up like being lifted up. Giselle gives her life to save Han because he's about to be shot behind. She has oh, to let go of the plane to fire. I mean, this is this is a masterpiece of editing work. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it also it ends with Vin Diesel driving out the front of a car, out driving a car out of front of a plane as it's exploding, which was in the trailer. But it, it was... was pretty obvious. It was pretty clear to me he'd survive. To be fair, yeah. but I, yeah, it's one of those where you expect him to burst out to like the bomb theme. That's where the bomb theme would kick in. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. Um, I. Yeah, but the score in this film just did not stand out at all. No, I kind of felt a bit bad, really. I was kind of thought, oh, this, you know, this classic moment, we really could have done with that kind of Brian Tyler, you know, that kind of really signature sound, you I think, some, or like a little blast on the main theme, for you example. You need someone a bit more triumphant at this point. You do, yeah. You, want you, need, kind of you need to a tease that moment. You actually need a tease of it, and then it drops away immediately, because we immediately think Vin's in trouble. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. And then, yeah, he walks I mean, out. it was, Adequate, I would say, you know, it rumbles along as, as a good bad. vibe created about the film, but it's just it's been not, missing that kind not of... Bad on the, um, touch, it's not bad on the highway sequence, it's the only place it's... No, out. that's really cool, it drives, it drives everything along, and there's not... It sounds really silly, I don't think there's, there's too much of it, because sometimes... I remember I watched Scorpion King, randomly, <laughs> when, that, when that came out, um, and again, it's one of those things where, like, you know, the score is very lush, very beautiful, but there's just too much of it, there's too much music, if that makes sense. The rock's in that as well. If that can, it, well, yeah, I'm not tarring him with the same brush. Um, Mind you, back then he was. It does a fun, you know, brilliant he performance in that for sure. Yeah. Um, but I just kind of came away thinking of that one. Oh, there's a bit too much music, but good movie. Yeah. No, all I thought was he wasn't as big back then. He was more like the pebble. <laughs> um, <Such> a... <laughs> I, yeah, but that's it really. Uh, they've got what they needed. They they managed to recover the suitcase mm. with the chip in it. Uh, Han looks gutted. Han's gutted because yeah, Giselle's oh dead. So you know, um, Han's not as cool in this film as the last one, but it's still it, the moment she lets go is quite a shock. Actually, I was shocked at the time. So yeah, they get their pardons. They said, "What name your price?" And he says, "What is it, number fourteen three seven? He says, "Doesn't um, yeah, it's house number one four three seven." He says, um, "Name your number." Yeah, it's the number of the house. So basically, they're not only pardoned; he gets his house back. And next thing, they're back there. Uh, it looks like Brian and me are going to live virtually next door, which is cool because, you know, they can have little assignations. That, They're not. Get... That's convenient. <laughs> well, it's convenient for those two, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, they're back having a barbecue. Shaw turns up with a newly reinstated Elena, um, which is just <laughs> bizarre. And she's like, well, I'm with... Fa-. And then and then Letty goes up to her and says, thanks for everything you did for him. 
Um, <laughs> and our system and, kid. And, 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 Dom, and Dom actually sort of says, you don't have to go. It's like, th- that's going to be awkward. I'm sorry. I know some people are quite mature about exes and stuff like that, but no, let her go. But yeah, thanks for everything you did for him. What? What, 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 like what? what, what does she do for him that you won't do? <laughs> anyway, so they're all very grown up Ain't about not. it. Yeah, that's what I thought, to be honest. Because <laughs> he's bound to do blowjobs, right? Yeah. Anyway, don't know. Perhaps we can write to Universal Films. <laughs> if you know whether Letty gives blowjobs, write to us at expectantstalk.gmail.com. Uh, yeah, they have a barbecue, say a prayer, say grace where they finish off thanking fast cars. Dwayne and Vin have quite a homoerotic moment where they stand next to each other with. Well, actually looking each other in the eye. Yeah. It, it's almost like they're trying to do like the forced perspective you get in like the Tolkien films, but the camera's at the wrong angle. Till next time. I never thought I'd trust a thief. Till next time, Toretta. Till next time. That scene, I, it was, I laughed out loud. I just kind of found it like unintentionally funny. Yeah. I just thought, oh, so cheesy. I just think it could only be more homoerotic if like he rebaby oiled him while they were having a yeah. job. But happy endings all round. Not that type of happy ending. And they're back in the United States. They've got their car. They've got their home back. Their their family. Uh, Elena's been reinstated despite having been on the run with the wanted criminal. Letty's delighted Elena gave Dom anal credits. And then we see Han die again. Yeah, Han's going back to Japan. They they agreed they were going to go back to J- Japan before um, Giselle died. So he goes out there anyway, he says something about it, wanting to do. We see the end sequence or an edited version of the end sequence of Tokyo Drift. I say edited because we don't see Lucas Black. And when he's killed... Um, and suddenly there's a phone call to Dom, and it's like Dominic Toretto. <laughs> that is what he sounds like. Yeah. You don't know me. You but soon you're will. about to. You're about to, sucker. And it, well, we're going to find out in the next film that's Deckard Shaw. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Who, who, who turns out to be a bloody nice bloke. Will Ardshaw. <laughs> because that's just how this series like is. Well, 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 well it, it turns out in the. In this... In the film following that, that um, uh, Owen Shaw isn't that bad, really. Yeah, they're both not bad, and uh, he's magic with a baby. <laughs> that is a brilliant sequence, I have to say, in Fast Eight. Anyway, final thoughts from me. Very, very short because all I'm gonna I've said it all the way through, so I'm just gonna say it one more time. Dialogue's weaker. The plotting goes down some blind alleys. There's bits we don't need in this film, and there's points where. Yeah, I have to actively go try not to think about that bit because it doesn't work. Mm. Action's really good. It does land its emotional beats. This is a good crew. They have good chemistry and they know the filmmakers know what they want from each member of this crew, um, which is going to lessen a bit in future weeks. So we're still in the sweet spot, but it's a small step down from last week. Uh, yeah, pretty much the same. I mean, I've, the only thing I will add is like the you know the you know, the the movies got got a bit getting a bit dumber than from last week but the the action has been ramped up uh, so it's very much more of an action uh action movie focused film rather than like a heist or car chase type um the cast are all great all gelled together i think it's you know it says something how they all bond 
really well. You know, like View Dave, it was the first time you saw it, and it felt like they've been get, been together for ages. Um, also, uh, also got a little bit of credit to uh, you know Luke Evans. He, he did actually a good job as a villain. Yeah, he's probably uh, yeah, he's quite good in the series. From from the trailer, from the trailer, you 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 look at him, and think like, I can't see him as a villain. He seems pretty much like you know whatever. But he, you know, he's a good actor, Luke Evans. He's you know he did he did a really good job this uh, this time around. Um, so yeah, I think that also brings something because I think one of the things the, the franchise has been lacking is a decent villain. Uh, it's been piss week. I mean, I, I from week to week, I can't remember what last week's villain was. I mean, I spoke fairly highly of, of four relative to its reputation, but two weeks on when they mentioned Braga, I'm thinking I recognise that name. Look it up. Then I have to look the actor up and go, oh, yeah, was, was that Fast 2 or 4? Oh, it was 4, wasn't it? Yeah, you know what I mean. You just forget him from week to week. They're not standouts. Um, so if there's anything that this is a step up is uh, from last week is the villain, yeah. Um, no, definitely. I would kind of agree with you guys, really. Um, I would kind of feel that last week was definitely like the heist movie um but this time this is more as you say kind of more um, ramped up action movie for sure um yeah script is perhaps a little bit weaker but action definitely wrapped up 100% dialed all the way up to 11 um love the fact that the tank chase was done you know in in real time obviously a little bit of cgi tweaking here and there but it wasn't too obvious and it the effects were done really smoothly um as again you know it's kind of said that these kind of middle films have kind of seen a real ramping up in terms of um the audacity of of, of the stunts it's not just about the cars it's more about family you know it's more about the family of, um and relationship and dynamics between um toretto and, and his team um because i mean here in this film you've got him and stay so two you know two fairly big british names definitely obviously to aura with a cameo role um but you know, kind of, if you want somebody, you know, in that kind of role or kind of villain role, for example, then um, they're the two that you'd, you'd probably call it at the moment. You know, they're kind of fairly hot. Um, I think you've got the two kind of going head to head almost, um, trying to share the same space. It's really interesting as well. But yeah, I, I would agree with you. And um, Evans does, you know, prove himself. You know, he's a generally capable actor. Um, always brings 100% to the role. But here he proves himself to be quite a memorable villain. I think the one thing I would I just add is that. You can read between the lines and, and be damning the series with faint praise in that we, we've talked about it being enjoyable, but then we say the dialogue's poor or the script's a bit dumb or, or whatever. Um, but we talked about the Dom Letty scene. And whilst I was nowhere near tears or anything like that, I found it quite moving. I thought it was like well done and a, and a well-conceived scene. You know, compare that to like some of the B-movie actioners out there. I mean, look, look at the Taken series where they tried to like have scenes of Brian, another Brian, with like his family and, and his daughter doing driving tests and him having barbecues with his friends and stuff like that. And none of it landed. It always felt like busy work, like, well, we've got to give him some sort of personal life for this film to have any stakes whatsoever. If they could have, have avoided all of that, you feel like they would have done. So many films just go through the motions on the family bits and the friends bits and the personal bits they do it but they do it with no commitment and i do genuinely believe that the people involved in making these films and specifically vin diesel actually care about these characters and and they mind the emotional subject matter as much as it seems like a series of link stunts so it's got it, it's got more heart than brains but it's it, but it's got so much heart but what the heart has i actually know nothing about it 
Well, that was the only thing earlier. I was, I was, caught, I was a bit embarrassed actually because I left it quite late to watch this film, and um, so it was early evening on the day of the recording, and it finished, and I thought, oh my god, I don't know anything about this. This is going to be embarrassing. Yes, because I thought, yeah. I thought, but what I can do is I can read up about this, and at the start of the f- start of the record, well, before we record, we can get online the three of us, and before we record, we can thrash this out. Learn everything we need to know, learn, and then record a, a, a very well-informed show. And um, uh, why, why didn't we do that? Um, I, I guess we're just expecting you know, Becca to do, give us some fun facts. That'd be easier, actually. Yeah, fuck it. Let's just do fuck all. Let's just screw Becca, it. So... Right, Becca. Any facts that you can find on the Tinder web in your place? Um. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't find too much about this film, so they're all a bit higgledy piggledy, I'm afraid. Um, so yeah, as as we mentioned off air, um, obviously the final section of this film, I think, it was, what did you say, like twelve and a half minutes, Dave? Features an epic battle of cars versus plane on a seemingly never-ending runway. But how long is it, um, Dave? You said you did the math, and you conservative I looked up the, the thing. I was interested because they reach takeoff speed at one point, and I thought, well, what is takeoff speed then? And it does vary by plane, but they say sort of big, big commercial airliners. And this is a fairly sizable plane. It tends to be around 150 miles an hour. It can be a bit more than that. It could be up to about 179, but it's in that range. So I thought, well, it's got to be a bit slower than that for most of the time. Some lighter aircraft are only like 70 or whatever. Um, and if you fly planes or know anything about planes, apologies if we're completely wrong. This was like a two-minute search just to get some idea. So I thought, well, cars are keeping up, but they're having to peg it. So I thought, let's just assume it's about 100 miles an hour. It's proper, that's probably an underestimate. But let's just say it was 100 miles an hour. Well, at 12 and a half minutes from the moment it lands to the moment it crashes, uh, or the crashing ends, if you like, that, that would make it a shade under 21 miles. You've then got the fact that they were driving in cars before it landed, and they are some way ahead of the crash site when they finish. So that is a sizable runway under any measure you take. But it almost doesn't matter what speed you, you put it at, because even if you said 50 miles an hour, which is unlikely, it would still be fucking 10 miles long, wouldn't it? Which is, you know, runways are not that long. So there you go. Particularly the funny thing is that the whole film starts, the whole sequence starts with an establishing shot of the runway. So we actually yeah. see, we actually see it's not that long. No. So, there you go. So yes, you're about, about 20, 20, 20 odd miles. 20 odd mile runway. BBC says 18 miles. Uh, there's a website called Aviation Pro. They say 28 miles. There is a director's um, cut of this film, and, and I had a, a rip. Um, and the, the the thing about the rip was, I, I whoever put this together, the the volume, would, the, sorry, the audio would go out of sync with the film. And I think that was because they had to keep re-looping. I think they only had the audio to the theatrical, and they had to like re-loop bits to catch up to the images which were from the director's cut and one of those looping errors happened during that sequence suggesting that there's a few more seconds in the director's cut so that 18 miles might just be that the theatrical version is very slightly slower uh sorry slightly shorter so yeah i've 18 20 22 miles somewhere in that range so i didn't know there was a director's cut of this movie it's one minute longer, literally. Oh, right, 
Well, it wasn't until because like, like you kind of gave me the the Blu-ray. It wasn't until I watched it and I was like, oh, I didn't know. So. Yeah. If the version you're looking at is two hours, ten minutes, you've got theatrical. If you look at it two eleven, you've got directors. But it is literally like... Literally a minute. <laughs> it, it's literally like the odd added shot here and there, uh, a, a little extension of scenes here and there, and like a tiny bit of dialogue cut here and there. They're almost identical experiences. I, I wouldn't... I, I haven't commented on anything remarkably different than had I seen whatever the other version was. Yeah, it seems like there's like a few a few scenes here yeah. and there, and there's nothing but it's, too it's substantial. It's really nothing substantive at all. It it just isn't. Yeah, um, it's not like um, and it got, like and it got Runner, where there's got, always different meanings yeah, that to be found. It, it got cut for pacing anyway. Even something like the Wrath of Khan has an extra few minutes. This is like sixty four mm. seconds or something like that. I did share it with Becca earlier where there's, there's a couple of different shots employed, but it, it's nothing different. But the clue that this had been cobbled together was that the, the audio didn't always quite match what I was seeing. And sometimes you'd hear a bit of an audio that, and then they'd repeat it. And there was one of them during the, the, the plane bit. So I imagine there's an extra bit on the plane version I saw. So I'm saying 12 and a half minutes. It might have been like a minute shorter or that might be where some of the extra is. I couldn't find out how long it is, but apparently the world's longest publicly used paved runway is... I'm not going to pronounce this properly. Kamdo Banda in China. So that's quite interesting to know. Um, yeah, fun fact number two, Rita Ora, who plays the leader of the girl races, um, obviously who is meant to be Rihanna, um, can be heard on Iggy Azalea's song uh, Black Widow, and Azalea later pops up in Furious 7. So we'll see her coming soon. Yeah, I don't remember that, but then I've only seen the seventh film once. I saw it in cinemas and that was it. Again, yeah, she has that kind of that literally blinking you miss it cameo, really. Um Fun fact number three, this is so far, until next time, the only Fast and Furious movie with a May release. Um, fun fact number four, <clears throat> there's a lot of, um, once they get to London, um, there's a lot of comments made about how CCTV is everywhere. So it's estimated there are about 25 million CCTV cameras globally, with Britain having a high percentage of these, with around 4 million. Um, so it's kind that of like did resonate bit... early in the film when he yeah, said... Yeah, I was quite surprised. Was like, when, really? he said, when he said the last place is, you, you know, is London because this place is really surveilled, I'm like, yeah, we are one of the most watched places yeah, in the world. Yeah, we've got like the highest amount of CCTV activity um, in Europe, yeah. apparently. By a um, distance, yeah. Yeah, and according to the official CCTV website, as of 2020, I think March 2020, there's one CCTV... I can't even say it. One CCTV camera for about 14 people. So... This is a pretty Patel moment coming up, so please bear with me. Um, 627,007 cameras um, in London alone. So I just I think that's mind-boggling. That is so basically you, you will yeah. end up somewhere. You know, if you, if you come to the city, chances are you will be on CCTV, well, you whether you like it or not. Yeah. So we will um, see you. And obviously, sad. Not very fun fact. Porker's last film in the in the franchise. He sadly passed away in November. Yeah, uh, we'll talk about that next week because it does i mean i won't be watching any extras around seven but i i have heard commentaries and stuff and seen things in the past and so many of the scenes he's in in seven are cobbled together from something else and cg change things and there'll be he'll be sat on a chair somewhere and, and he wasn't actually there but he was sat on another chair at some point and they've moved it or, or it might be like his cousin or relative um, who looks similar and uh, towards the end of the film it's really obvious he's playing on the beach with his kid and that's not him that's his brothers you can tell the final homoerotic shot of the film <laughs> is is um not him either that's all like created digitally um 
it, it's really sad what what happened because he was listening to uh, see you again and be like oh yeah <laughs> a, i mean i don't remember getting particularly emotional about it but um at the time but it, it was it it compromised the film I mean, there's no doubt i mean it, you, you're trying to cobble things together you'd obviously shot quite a lot but even shots that look seamless and you go well at least they had him for that scene when you actually listen to a commentary which i must have done at some point or seen some some special feature on it i think i thought i'd only seen it once but how would i have because i don't remember buying it but for, however it was i saw something where they showed some scene where he was sat by a pool or something and they said he's, he's not there that's not actually happening there's a phone call between him and Mia in the film and it was shot a week apart. She's a year apart. Sorry. You know, she was saying what an emotional scene it was to film for her because she was talking to somebody who died a year before. Um, but there you go. So, but yeah, so that's anyway, that's, that's next week. We'll talk about that film because it's a lot of people's favorites, but it's, it's a compromised product. It's bigger. Again, the cast is bigger. Again, we meet Kurt Russell next week. Kurt Russell always makes things better. I don't think we meet Scott Eastwood till the week after, unless no, he's no. got a small part next week. No, no. Um, anyway, so as for social media, you can find me at the Pastor Kid nineteen seventy six on Twitter. You can find me at Cinematrots on Twitter. You can also find out all the old episodes at cinematrots.co.uk. And you can always find us, Deeswix to Talk, on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and wherever you pick up your podcasts. And Whilst you're on that platform of choice, don't forget to rate us, review us, to like us and share us. Thank you very much. Just to whet everybody's appetite for next week then, uh, just before Becca announces it, a quote from Vin Diesel before this film was released. Universal is going to have the biggest movie in history with this movie. It will probably win Best Picture at the Oscars unless the Oscars don't want to be relevant ever. This will win Best Picture. There is nothing that will ever come close to the power of this thing, which means Becca. Jesus, <laughs> will return with Fast Furious 7, aka Furious 7.